Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You don't, you don't like my sonorous voice? I don't even know what sonorous means, but, you know, still no. But my dulcet <laughs> tones? All right. My nasally screeching? Oh. <laughs> You're getting more accurate. That's fair. <laughs> How's everybody? How's everybody's week? Uh, it's all right. I'm, I'm preparing for an audit at work. So, like, I'm putting in a ton of hours and I'm just tired. Oh, sounds like good times. Yeah, it's all right. My kid got sick from all that smoke that's going around. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. The smoke to your country is bleeding into our borders. How dare you? Yeah, I was yes. going to say the other day, you guys had so much Canada smoke that I could actually smell it a teeny tiny bit. Well, I didn't think we felt. I don't, I it doesn't outside. matter how you felt. I was the one <laughs> inconvenienced. <laughs> it is really funny listening to American political commentators talk about how like how dumb we are for having forced fires. I'll to tell you. Yeah, we've just had a state that's been on fire for fucking eight years. I mean, none of us really can talk shit about fires when fucking Australia is burning to the goddamn ground. (laughs) It's almost like something is going on that's resulting in hotter temperatures and drier conditions that are spreading more fires. But nobody nobody seems to know what. So junk science. That was the the perfect right wing response because I didn't even say anything. And you just went straight to the talking point. (laughs) Junk science. You do your own research, Doug. Well, I did do my own research. Here's all these scientists. Nap, don't believe it. Conspiracy to defraud the American public. Yeah, you idiot. Just believing what scientists tell you about science. Yeah. It's awesome. But we did just indict our former president. That's fun. Which made me do a happy dance. but Even for the second time. Yeah. He won't, he won't ever go to jail, so it doesn't matter. No. He might win. Even He could be convicted and, like, under home confinement, and then they have to figure out whether, the, like, the whole cabinet has to move down there or what happens. It's probably save us a shit ton of money, considering he went down to Mar-a-Lago every goddamn weekend when he was fucking president. Yeah, but now he'd have the chance to rent Mar-a-Lago out to all the other senators and stuff that came down there. Uh, it's almost the perfect crime. Those those fucking pictures of that bathroom are blowing my mind. Did you guys see the uh, uh, meme that was going around about the bathroom in the the Lost Ark? Oh, it was no. like it was, it was like a series of like comic books, and it was like people getting upset because Disney Plus had edited the ending 
of Raiders. And then it, and they're like, we're like, oh, it's like they're just trying to modernize things and all this. And then when it finally got to the end, it was just a picture of the bathroom with all the boxes and the arc was edited. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good. Um, I did read that apparently Disney edited uh, the French connection. Did they? No, apparently they edited out hmm. some of his more racist language. So it's a short film now. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, well, that's bullshit. Like, pretty much everybody was like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I wish if they would do stuff like that, that they would at least leave both options available. Someone even said, just put a disclaimer beforehand. Like, that's all well, you need I, to absolutely. Do. I have no, I have no problem with the, the disclaimers. I, I do think that even if they're going, if they want to edit them, because some people are going to want to show them to a younger audience, and that younger audience won't be able to handle it, that's fine. But let's leave the originals available as well. I pretty much feel that way about anything they edit. I still feel that way about the Star Wars films. Yeah. So. Yeah, I bought a uh, collection of, like, Droopy cartoons back in the day. Because mm-hmm. I love Droopy. And the uh, the collection has a disclaimer at the front. It just says, hey, we were a lot dumber back then. It's going to be some racist, some racist stuff in here. Yeah. So just be warned. And I'm like, thank you. Thank I you remember when they started editing this shit in the, like, 80s. Because I remember there was Bugs Bunny cartoons that I saw. And this was, like being able to just watch whatever you wanted you just have to watch bugs bunny every week and hope that your favorite episode came on and then they started editing them and there's like oh it was mostly taking out violence from those but mm. it's like yeah not a fan yeah well i was talking about a joke editing of an ending you had to bring up real ones and upset everyone thanks a lot yeah but you know when talking about animation, we shouldn't talk about violent stuff. Maybe we should talk more about sad stuff. Like losses of families and moving your home. Genetically modified rats. <laughs> I was I was going to say movies with themes such as anti-Semitism and genocide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this week we're doing Don Bluth films that involve rodents and apparently uh co-star dom DeLuise because we haven't done that theme yet <laughs> a weird secondary theme i didn't know that dom DeLuise was his name was ever going to come up on this podcast <laughs> he was already in cannonball run we did that one already oh shit we need a thousand percent more dom DeLuise. i don't Do disagree though? i don't disagree um, Doug, I know The Secret of Nim was a first-time watch for you. Why don't you tell us about The Secret of Nim? Secret of Nim is a story about... <laughs> Shit, I don't know. So there's <laughs> mice that live in a field, and they have to relocate because the farmers are... It's the time of year where they have to relocate every year because the farmers are about to come in and plow, and they obviously can't live in the field when that happens, or it'll be devastation. So the one mouse is sick so his mom is like i don't know what to do because the doctor mouse is saying don't move him but obviously they can't leave him there uh so she goes to an owl for advice and the owl sends her to some rats who we learn are genetically modified by the um national institute for mental health as part of some experiment so they're super smart and are living a much better lifestyle. It turns out that 
her husband has a connection to these rats because he was also genetically modified, even though he's deceased now. So the rats agree to help her and try to move her family. But then there's an evil rat that um, kills the rat that wants to help her and starts like a rat civil war, <laughs> including full on rat sword fights. Um, but eventually there's a magic amulet that just ends things because apparently they were at the runtime of the film. So they're just like, everything's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is the most bullshit ending in the world. There's just all of a sudden they're like, we have this amulet and it's magic. And it's like nothing else in this movie is magic. This amulet is all right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, if I remember right, part of that is due to the fact that they had to pare this down to movie length. It, oh, really? So, so apparently they had to cut quite a bit out of the book. So, so when I said it's just bullshit, just like we're over, so we have this magic amulet to make the movie over, I was actually correct. I wasn't being yeah. facetious. All right. No, no, that's that's right. They they just cut a bunch of the story that explains that stuff out. Oh, okay. Well, there is the weird thing too, where um, there's like ghost rats like overseeing things through like a magic ball throughout parts of the movie. And that just kind of goes unexplained too, right? That's not ghost rats. That's Nicodemus. Is it? Yeah. So that's that yeah. same rat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's but I thought he was. I thought he was interacting with the deceased husband at some at one point. Am I mistaken? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, I misread that. I took it as like a Clash of the Titans thing where there was people overseeing what was going on. But you're saying this is an actual active character in the story that could see what was going on for reasons. Yeah. Okay. It seems like he was trying to manipulate situations to get her to the to the rat headquarters. Yeah, and that that's what was giving me the, the Clash of the Titans vibes was like the we're, we're gotcha. overseeing things and we're trying to manipulate it, but we're but I don't think I realized it was the same. I mean, that's one of the problems with rats is that they all look the same. So it's kind of it's kind of hard. I even had trouble telling the mice and the rats apart in this particular story. Oh, the rats are big. The mice are small. Yeah, but when they weren't on screen together, it was difficult. Um, so for a first time watch, what uh, what did you think of the movie? Uh, let's see. My, well, my first instinct is this is not a movie designed to be watched by 40 year olds for the first time. But <laughs> I, prob- I probably if I was going to well, formulate an not. opinion on this, probably should have watched it as a kid. Um, it Which I, definitely... I, will this, I will have the same opinion of the next movie. So, okay. I also have the same opinion in the next movie. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That was the first time watched for me too. But uh, yeah, I, it definitely feels like this was kind of a reaction to the animated Lord of the Rings stuff that had come out. And like I say, to clash of the Titans to this sort of kid friendly adventure stories. And this is just a, a different version of that. You know, the, the kind of adventure she goes on where like, Oh, she, she meets a, bird who tells her how to find an owl who leads her to the rats and then the rats have a secret and now she's involved in the rat story and she has to go on a side quest to drug a cat in order to get the rats to help her you know what i mean that felt very lord of the ringsy to me yeah i was gonna say it's it's a fantasy story yeah Yeah. um i personally loved how dark it is it's Mm. well that's gonna apply to the next movie as the fucking the fucking artwork in this movie is goddamn amazing it's yeah, it's I, I just it's such a contrast because I watch like modern day kids stuff with my kid and, and it, it's 
it's a contrast and it's not because on the one hand, this is so dark compared to what people watch today. And it's so like, I don't know, like, like the rats are fighting and there's like, there's when they, when they cut each other with the swords, there's like blood on screen and stuff. And you're like, yeah, but it is just a reaction to what was going on in pop culture at the time. And like the last movie I watched with my kid was literally like animals having a sing thing in competition. So it's just a reaction to what's going on in pop culture at the time. It's just pop culture has changed so much. So I'm like, it's so it's so funny to see how the animation and the kids entertainment just is a reflection of whatever was popular in adult entertainment like a couple of years earlier. But that, I mean, that. So as far as like the story goes, like I had, I don't like it when my fa- when fantasy things do this, like when they mix kind of science fiction and fantasy. So you have this like you have this weird like backstory of the National Institute for Mental Health manipulating these rats and genetically altering them to be extra smart and stuff. And they're gaining. There's a story about them like gaining morality because of their intelligence and all that. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then magic amulet, and I'm like, no, 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 no magic. There's no magic in this movie. That that frustrated me. Well, yeah. So, it, it, so I just uh, glanced at a thing trying to remember because I've read this book before, and that's there is no magic in the book. The amulet thing is they completely added it in to like alter the ending of the <laughs> the story a little bit. And again, maybe because this is kids' entertainment, and maybe I wouldn't have noticed if I'd seen this in 1982 when I was three years old. But as an adult watching it, it feels like it was really just edited in like it. Okay. <laughs> do you want to know what's frustrating? Do you want to know what the other two major changes are to this story that they made? <laughs> I was going to bring one of them up. <laughs> I was going to say, number one, they changed the main character's name. For <laughs> some reason, her name, the, the name of the book is Miss Frisbee and the Rats of Dim. And they changed it to Brisbee for some reason. I have no idea why. Because it would be dumb if her name was Frisbee. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's they were like, F names are stupid. Children won't like that. Uh, and the other change is the end of the book actually deals with them moving the rats. Yeah. So the yeah. rats go back, pull all their – it's kind of – they don't even do it justice in the movie. The In the book, the rats have like a technological society. Like they have a city underneath that rose bush. Yeah, and they rip all that out so that it won't be discovered. Uh, and then when the poisoners come the next day, uh, ten of the rats volunteer to stay behind and commit fucking suicide, so that when they pull up the rose bush, they won't think that it was abandoned, and they'll think they killed the rats. Yeah, that's that's yeah. way darker. <laughs> I mean, I understand why you don't want your kids' movie ending that way. Yeah, see, I would have, I would have liked to see them explore that rat culture more, and that they, like, the idea of the rats gaining intelligence, and therefore having like electricity and building this like modern society underneath this rose bush where they live, is interesting. And then the idea that they develop morality as a result of that intelligence and they're feeling guilty for stealing the electricity and they, they basically want to stop living off of like the humans because they, um, you know, they're recognizing that what they're doing is wrong. That's that's an interesting thing to do. And you can tell a whole story about that. But because they had so much else to do in this, they just kind of gloss over it. And that's what makes it a little less interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you missed this one. 
when you were younger. I think I watched this one in school. Because that's what they used to do. They're like, here, watch this movie. Yeah. It won't traumatize you at all. Yeah, I, like I had seen this on like streaming services, but I don't think I'd ever heard of it until streaming came along. And then I was just like, oh, some kid's movie that I've never seen and never really thought about it until this week. Basically, what basically I I never anticipated watching this until you guys made me. Did you at least enjoy it though? Enjoy is a strong. Like I think I would have enjoyed it if I'd seen it for the first time younger and it had a nostalgia factor to it. Um, like I, I respected the artwork, but the storytelling just wasn't complex enough for me to be watching it as an adult. If that makes any sense. What if, what if it had, what if it had ended with the suicide of several rats? So I don't know if I want that ending, but I would have appreciated more in-depth look at a rat culture and all that. And not have it like simplified to like the rats end up sword fighting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They really, like I said, they really changed it. If if I remember right, I think the bit with like the house falling in the mud and stuff. I don't think that's in the book either. I think they just move it. Like the rats are just smart. They build a pulley system and they move the house. See, that's interesting because it's pretty fucking dark. Like they are moving the mouse house and they drop it on the rat they don't like like that's some the dark rat shit. wizard <laughs> yeah i didn't like him either because i didn't want any magic in the movie so to a certain extent i was agreeing with them but i still didn't necessarily think they should drop stuff on them and crush them to death because by house we're talking about basically a cinder block that they just drop on a rat which is I, I was gonna say yeah let's t- can we talk about the uh the fucking violence in this movie because <laughs> yeah nicodemus gets fucking crushed to death and then they show his corpse yeah well that's how and you then the bad rat gets fucking gutted basically and then stabbed in the spine with a dagger and they show that scene where they're like you know the rats escaped but all the mice got blown away and died. And like, <laughs> yes. like fuck, Jesus. Yeah, the, the flashback sequence to the uh, to the National Institute of Mental Health, um, where all of the mice except one or whatever die. And it's like, oh, I didn't anticipate that when this story started. You see them all falling down this like shaft and being dragged away by the wind. And you're like, oh, this just just all the characters that we've been following for the last few minutes just got cut in half because a bunch of them died. Eh? <laughs> Silly kids movie. I will say, uh, I haven't watched this in a very long time. Um, I do appreciate how the movie sort of starts off as like a, um, just a regular run of the mill, like children's movie. It's like, Oh, we got to move our house. The farmer's coming to plow. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, here's genetically modified rats that are fucking smarter than normal. And they build technology and like all this other shit just seems to. I don't want to say comes out of nowhere in the middle, but I mean, it's, I guarantee if I would have asked you before we watched this, Doug, what do you think this movie's going to be about? You probably would have said genetically modified rats. I mean, 
No, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> it, it does feel a little bit like, given that this is a kid's movie, um, is does it feel like maybe they're sucking the kids in and the kids are going to be that much more devastated by watching this because they... Um, because it starts out like typical kids entertainment and you're like, oh, okay. Like, obviously they're going to end up moving the, the mouse somehow and you're not really worried about it. And then all of a sudden it all goes bad. Like, I feel like maybe if it started darker, kids wouldn't have gotten sucked into thinking they were watching a happy little cartoon. We can, we can also point out that for the fact that, so this is a 1980s children's animated film. And the two female characters are completely competent. Yeah, that was weird. Right. The only the only thing that's mildly sexist in this movie is the fact that through the entire movie, they refer to the main character as Mrs. Jonathan Brisby instead of her name. Yeah. Which. Yeah, like the there's a there's a plot relevant reason for it. And it makes sense that they're constantly like recognizing that she's the wife of the mouse that helped them out. And that's why they're um, that's why they're on her side kind of thing. So it's but there could the shortcut way to do that using 80s terminology feels a little weird now, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah it's if like it, they, they looked at it as like uh a term of respect, but in a modern context, that's like yeah. kind of diminishing if she is as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the character of, uh, oh, it, what's her name? Miss Shrew. Oh, yeah. Just because it's so it does the same thing. It sets you up like this is going to be a Disney movie where she is the antagonistic um, kind of evil comic relief character that they can keep beating on. And you'll laugh at it because she's mean. So she deserves it. Yeah. And and instead, the immediate speech that's given from the mom is like, no, she means well. She's just trying to be helpful. Stop it. And then throughout the rest of the movie, she's kind of a badass. Like, yeah, that's fair. Like, she's the one that fucking stops the tractor and <laughs> protects well, yeah, the kids it, and all that kind of stuff. I kind of like, I liked the way she was portrayed as sort of like, I don't even know how to put it. She reminded me of the house mother from Black Christmas, if that makes any sense, where she's kind of like everyone's annoyed with her and everything, but she's the one looking out for everyone else. And she's just, she's frustrated by the fact that she has to keep doing it, but she's still like, just keeps trying. Until, you know, she can't anymore. That that That's how I felt with this character. She was just like, oh, why is it my job to protect all these people? Like, I don't want to. And then, oh, shit, tractor's coming. I guess I better go disable a tractor now. Because I am a shrew, so obviously I know how to do that. <laughs> you know? How do you feel about yeah, Dom, Del Dom DeLuise since you run on an anti-Dom DeLuise tirade at the beginning of this yeah, review? I, I don't know if the comic relief crow or whichever kind of bird he was was necessarily for me in this <laughs> I actually I, I completely agree with you I don't understand what the fuck the point of that character is I mean it's comic relief It's this is a kids movie some producer was like hey we need a funny animal that does voices and they're like well, can we let Dom DeLuise just talk and that's a funny voice and they're like yeah right okay. but typically in, in an animated movie, the, the comedy relief character is plot relevant and hangs around the entire time. 
this character just like pops up, does something fucking stupid for two minutes and then leaves again over and over and over. Right. But it's, I, I mean, I don't know the behind the scenes of this movie, but I would wager money that it's just like the amulet thing. It's just some producer saying we need comic relief. And they so they wrote this bird in and they're just like, he needs to show up four times because the market study shows us that the comic relief has to appear four times. So they wrote him four scenes and that's it. <laughs> he's not he's not plot relevant because they already had a script that didn't have him in it. And he gets four scenes because somebody decided that's how many he needs. And he gets his little tie up happy ending at the end that comes out of nowhere and serves no purpose. But it kind of again, it, he's he's tacked on. He's not relevant. It's not that funny. So I could have done without him. Well, Doug, you'll be happy to know they did make a sequel to this movie. We don't speak of it. <laughs> yeah. It came, out, it came out in the late 90s, direct a video. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's great. It's real. Yeah, I'm sure it bad. is. There's, there's a lot to be said about those direct video animated sequels from the mid to late 90s. That is. This one I mean, center, centers on the character of Timmy, who didn't do anything in this movie <laughs> because he was sick the whole time. But is he growing up now? Is that the idea? Is it set in a real time? No, no. He's still just a kid. Well, older <laughs> kids, but yeah. From what I read of the plot description, it's the rats come back to anoint him their new leader because of who his dad was. They have to train him to be their leader or something. Not, not exactly. Uh, that's what the plot description said. I wasn't about to yeah. actually watch there, it. So. Yeah. Everything's moved on to Thorn Valley, and then they there's this whole thing where they go back to Nim, and one rat has become even more intelligent, but he's become like Doctor Doom intelligent and enslaved the scientists of Nim, and it's it's really weird, but it's bad. Does anybody know like what's the the relevance to this like? The fact that it is Nim, like, is it? I didn't realize Nim was a real place in the thing. I thought it was going to be like a fantasy land or something where the rats lived. But why, why is this attitude against the National Institute for Mental Health? <laughs> I don't. I, I honestly think that the reason why Nim was chosen is because it sounds like the title of a fantasy land. Okay, because it feels like, like maybe like, I don't know, and again, you'd have to go back and read the book because it's not in the movie, but. Like maybe it's supposed to be one of those like anti, you know, um, anti-animal testing type messages, but that they just didn't really, it, it well, didn't translate. Well, I think, I think there is, they're trying to be like, we were tortured and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you were also given super intelligence and sentience. So Yeah. But they did show all the sad animals in the lab. And that was enough for me to be like, no, it's got to be bad. But it's one of those weird ones where you're like, yeah, if if the experiments failed, then I might agree with you. They were terrible when it worked. And like, look at what you're accomplishing. You know, it's maybe they needed to show more dead animals from failed experiments. 
Maybe that's what this they really should have shown the. They should have shown that group of mice getting chopped up in whatever fan they got sucked into. <laughs> it's it needed like a a scene like from UHF where they're just tossing like the dead animals out the window that didn't survive the experiments, and there's just a pile of them outside. Just to really drive it home. All right. Well, anything else about Secret and M? I don't know. No. I, I kind of agree with you guys. The I, this is not advanced storytelling. This is a movie made for children. Although, what age of children is probably debatable <laughs> from, well, from how dark yeah, it is. It's children who were between the ages of like three and six in 1982. Yeah. So, so like, probably kids that are seven to ten now. Well, and see, that's the problem is now, I think, kids who were an age where they could handle this level of storytelling now would be too scared of this movie. So you'd have to wait until they're older. But if they're older, they're going to be like, where the fuck did that amulet come from? <laughs> and you're going to have to be like, oh, and you see when they're making movies, there's these producers who wear suits. And what they do is they ruin the creative elements of the film because they want to make it, you know, yeah. more profitable. If you're the type of parent that doesn't mind giving your child some content that doesn't take it easy on them, which I think we all should be, uh, then it's fine. Would you let Lando watch this, Doug? No, because I know I know how he'd react. And uh, my, my thing with this is, and this comes back to what I was saying earlier, is because he watches, you know, like Avengers movies and he's like he's seen Endgame countless times to the point where I'm kind of tired of watching it, you know? And that's way more violent than this. But the way it kind of tricks you with that opening of being like looking like a cute little Disney cartoon and then turning so dark, I feel like that would really screw with kids heads. I think that would just like they're not prepared for all of a sudden there's that scene where that um, creepy fucking spider is crawling around and it's like legitimately horrifying looking and then an owl just crushes it to death on camera and you're just like I don't know. yeah I don't know that was around that time when I realized it's a good I, thing I'm watching this while he's not home I mean and she's she's walking through that tree and looks down and there's literally just a pile of mouse skeletons yeah it's stuff like scary. that I just I feel like again like if the whole movie were that dark I think it would be easier to handle than having that sort of shift into that I don't know I could be wrong too and Maybe other people show it to their kids and it's fine, but. Uh, all right. Well, Noah, why don't you uh, jump to the other side and tell us all about An American Tale? Uh, so An American Tale is a story of a family of Jews living in late 1800s Russia uh, during the horrible genocide of the Ashkenazi Jews that was going on. Uh, they escape and come to America, but during their trip over, their son falls overboard and is lost, and so his family has to mourn his death. Uh, he survives, gets to America, uh, meets a Frenchman who's building the Eiffel Tower, or not the Eiffel Tower, the Statue of Liberty brain fart. Uh, and then they get to America, where they think that they're going to be free of the anti-Semitism of Russia, only to discover that, uh, as it turns out, capitalism is just as evil and is abusing and destroying their people and using and abusing them as food. Uh, he's sold into slavery almost immediately in a sweatshop, uh, escapes that, has to survive in squalid conditions and with the poor. Uh, eventually, they build a giant mechanical cat 
or yeah, giant mechanical mouse that uh, chases away the evil capitalists, uh, saving the day. Then there's more sadness. Then the family's reunited and everyone's kind of happy. Did I mention this is all mice? <laughs> Cute little cartoon mice, too. His shirt's too big for him and his hat's too big for him. I mean, Aww. a movie, the movie literally starts with a, de- a depiction of the programs in Russia. It's a fucking crazy that this is a children's movie. I don't. So do you guys remember last week when we were talking about Link and I was like, yeah, I can't believe that in 1986 I was seeing Link in theaters and I can't believe somebody let that happen. But if this is what was children's entertainment in 1986, then I absolutely (laughs) understand why I was seeing Link. This is way more devastating than that was. At least that was fantasy, whereas this is like, you know, any child who asks follow up questions is going to find out this is based in reality. It's just the this movie is just fucking fascinating and the fact that in, it introduces a whole bunch of pretty fucking uh complicated adult themes into it and it once again this is a children's movie it's just is it? it it is but i remember I mean, watching this as a child and not picking up on all the stuff and then rewatching uh, it as like a teenager and being like oh my fucking god so no, this is this is again watching this for the first time as an adult, and I'm like right away I'm I'm seeing like oh look it's Jews fleeing Russia because of a genocide. I, I bet you they're gonna get to America and find out it still sucks there, <laughs> and then they're doing the whole like plot lines of like they're trying to organize, and they're like no no here we can protest because we have free speech here, and they, that's the big selling point about America is, yeah, like we're still getting eaten by cats, which we were promised wouldn't exist here. But at least we can protest the cats. Not, not, not just that, that that entire thing is uh, a direct analog of the fucking labor wars. Oh, I, I like this is all historic stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I just I, I don't know. Like you keep saying this is a kid's movie, but I'm like, if it's about a mouse looking for his papa. Okay, but and his hat's too big. <laughs> yeah, but let let like just say this was set in Germany instead of America, and all the mice were being led into concentration camps. Would you still call it a kids' movie just because they're mice? Or is he is looking just... for his papa and is his hat too big? Well, they took his hat because they're going to reuse the material to build stuff for the war. Well, but that's, it that's probably not a child's was too movie big. at all. <laughs> like, I just don't know what kids would get from this movie. I, I, I loved, I loved this movie when I was a kid. That's not. We can't use you as a benchmark for normal human beings. That's true. I accept that. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. If they, if they were showing this to children in 1980, again, I'm watching it for the first time now, so I don't know what kids got from this. I don't. There's nothing really funny about it. It's well, dark it, as shit, but not dark in like a fun way. Like at least the other movie was dark in like a hide under the blankets, you know, watch the rats fight with swords kind of way. This is dark in like a, well, the world sucks. Sure, I'm glad we haven't fixed any of these problems because if we fixed them, then this movie would become irrelevant. See, but once again, uh, I think as a small child watching it, you don't even pick up on all that stuff. Then what do you enjoy about it? 
What See, else is there as, in this as a As a child, it was, oh, look, the little mouse family is being chased by the mean, spooky cats. Like, that's it. And then whenever he gets to America, it's like, he, 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 look at all the animals with the funny accents. And, oh, he's looking for his mama. Oh, he's sad. That's it. That's all you get. And then you rewatch it once you're old enough to understand everything. And you're like, fuck, this this depiction of the late (laughs) Industrial Revolution is terrifying. I just don't know what. I don't know. I don't know what in this appeal is. I don't, I don't I'm, think it's funny enough. I missed the entire thing you just said, Doug. Your internet's cutting out. Sorry, I just, I don't, I don't know what, like, I don't see anything in this that would appeal to children. I don't see anything funny enough to hold the child's attention, or it's not really even that colorful. Um, well, but you have to remember, it's, it's 1980s children, which is a whole different breed. That's fair. But they, I, they sing a song about there not being cats in America. Yeah, I mean, they do. And and Fievel becomes friend with that big fluffy orange cat. <laughs> I'm sure Doug's favorite character since he's voiced by Dom DeLuise. I don't know. I yeah. I just this movie lacked any level of charm for me. It's like it felt like they just took a script for like this horrible, depressing drama film. I just were like, oh, we don't want anything that bad. Let's just make it animated instead. Like you know what I mean? What if? What if he, uh, what if instead of like making it to America in a rowboat, he does it in a bottle? Won't that be clever? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So I, I obviously, I was, was going to say it's, it's it wild to me how negative you are on this. It's, I don't know what this film has. Like, again, I don't, I just don't see this as a kid's film. I see it as an adult film, but with like animated mice as the main characters. Madness. Um, I will say this is the first time watched for me as well. Okay. I don't think I'm as negative as Doug, uh, but I think there is definitely a factor that if you don't uh, see it when you're younger, it definitely does not impact you nearly as much. Um, For me, the fact that he was at a bunch of points, like five feet away from his family and didn't know it was mildly frustrating. I'm just like, turn around. They're right there. Wait, isn't that the reaction it's supposed to go for? Yeah, but yeah, but as an adult, it's just sort of is like, ah, oh, damn it, this movie yeah, could like, be over already. Like the whole the whole things like there's scenes where like whatever it's his sister I think that is like I think that's like a brother over there and the parents are like no your brother's dead and they won't help her look and stuff. Like those are really sad moments, but they weren't done in a way where like I, I think a child would enjoy watching it. It's you know what I mean. It's not like kind of funny that they're around the corner from each other, but then they sing somewhere out there. Yeah, they do. Just, they just sing that. Is that where that song comes from? Is that from this movie? It's not original to this, is it? Uh, actually, I think it is. I think it's from this movie. I've known that song my whole life. Never occurred to me to wonder where it came from. I guess. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I thought the movie was all right. Um. I don't know if I really like connected with it. Um. Much to say is, is, is that because maybe you're a cat? Tell the truth. It's possible. I have three of them that also live in my home. Maybe I'm a cat and don't even know it. You understand cats are anti-Semites, right? What? <laughs> okay, just, just to clarify. <laughs> I mean, 
it's weird that you have that's, three of them that's living not, in your home. That's but. not true, Brian says, right before Cooper makes a racist joke. Hey, Cooper's both black and white. Make whatever jokes he wants. I'm allowed to make these jokes. I have a black cat at home. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But the movie was okay. It's probably definitely something I will probably never ever watch again. What about um, the sequel, Five Old Goes West? Well, I mean, if it's on the show, I guess I'll have to. But I don't think real... I don't think I would do that. The so well, the sequel is probably a better children's movie. But the, I think the thing that makes this movie actually worth watching is the fact that it's got all of those kind of dark, difficult themes running through it and five will goes west is just like oh look we're in the old west ha 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 i'm wearing a cowboy hat i at least remember the trailers for five will goes west i've never seen it either but it definitely seemed like a typical kids movie i always assumed this kind of was too i didn't realize again you keep saying themes but they're not really themes it's you know it's like it's just a dark depressing story it's not like in the background if you look look for it you can find these stories of the labor movement and the struggles of people to organize against the oppressive capitalists it's like no no they're that's just what the whole movie is i feel they they were probably trying to reach a balance between it, it between the the dark storytelling and the serious references to history and the sort of just happy fun kids movie and they may have kind of missed it a little and just they, they, they went too far with it and uh, they forgot that they were trying to appeal to a kid's audience so instead of like telling the story in a fun way where it could be used as a lesson for children it's just like kids are either going to not get it or they're going to get it and be horrified do you think because spielberg's a producer on it do you think he was like no no we have to tell this story about the Jews and stuff just, you know, has to be like really serious and dark and they made it and someone went, Jesus Christ, Stephen, why don't you just make a live action one? And then he went and made Schindler's List instead. I mean, kinda. Maybe. I mean <laughs> like I, I yeah. like to imagine that Don Bluth was just way ahead of his time. And he had watched all these Disney movies and been like, hey, wait a minute. Every protagonist in these Disney movies are pasty white European people. <laughs> Why can't why can't one of them be an immigrant that survived a genocide? Because that's the other option. Yeah, I, I definitely feel it because we know Spielberg is a hands on producer, right? There's there's no denying that. Um, I definitely feel like he also likes to put a strong message in his film and has a history of making air quotes kids films that are a little bit horrifying. Right. Even something like E.T., if you watch it now, is like. That's a little weird. What goes on in that movie with the dying alien and shit? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, we're going to introduce you to this character, make you fall in love with him, and then practically kill him on screen. <laughs> and the, pe- the only people who can save him are being chased by government officials with guns. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I, that, that balance is hard to strike. And I think when, you know, E.T. is a film that strikes it well. This film, I think, just went too far in one direction. And I thought being animated allowed them that leeway, and I don't agree. So, yes, I I do think that maybe he was considering making Schindler's List 
with with cartoon mice and because this he's like no no just we'll go another way with it said that one poor little girl be red coat that'll be the closest thing to animation we get just just a little detail that's pretty great so when when this movie came out it was the largest financial success for an animated film of all time that was not a disney film gonna make don bluth feel good Mm mm-hmm and and the big movie that it beat is it beat the Great Mouse Detective, which, if I remember right, had come out around the same time, which was a Disney film. They're going to put that one on the list. Yeah, I haven't looked super into it, but apparently Don Bluth fucking hated Disney, like with a passion. That doesn't surprise me. He worked with them or something, and they kind of fucked him over. So he's like, fuck them and did everything he could to fuck them over afterwards. See, that explains why these movies are so different from what Disney would put out, but look like Disney movies from a distance. Like he's almost like, screw this. You guys are jerks. Then this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make everyone think that these are look like Disney movies. I'm going to tell these dark fucking stories that upset children. <laughs> and everyone's going to subconsciously hold you people accountable. It's been like, all your fault. Um, I don't know. Anybody else have anything? No, not really. Uh, this movie is great. Show it to your children. I, I think the biggest thing with this movie, I think if you try to show it to children today is that they'd get bored of it because it moves real slow, um, which isn't like that's more of society shifts sometimes. And, but a lot of old, a lot of older 80s culture stuff doesn't apply to kids today because it moves at a different pace. That's right. Strapped your kid to a chair. Clockwork Orange have been to watch this movie. Um, so it says... Wikipedia that Don Bluth was working on the Fox and the Hound, okay. and he animated several scenes of the character Widow Tweed. During production, created differences between Bluth and studio executives had arisen concerning artistic control and animation training practices. So okay. he resigned from the studio and established his own animation studio, Don Bluth Productions. Because what he wanted was for the Fox and the Hound to get into a little scrap and scratch each other to shit and there'd be blood all over the screen and then one of them would get like an infection and it'd be kind of gross and pussy throughout the rest of the film and they were like no so yeah yeah. so it says here uh, the the first movie they did was Secret and M Luth employed 160 animators during the production and agreed to the first ever profit-sharing contract in animation history. So the actual animators were getting a cut of the profit? Yeah. I support that. Though only a moderate success in the box office, the movie received critical acclaim. Later, with the home video release and cable showings, it became a cult classic. Nevertheless, due to the modest gross and an industry-wide animation strike, Don Bluth Productions filed for bankruptcy. All right. Interesting. So he's trying to do good stuff. Yeah, I, I, because definitely animators back then and uh, all the way up until right now get screwed with the amount of work they do to put into these movies. And then if the movies are successful, they're just like, eh, you got your $7 a day on your way with you. I mean, the dude crushed it, though. Yeah, nobody can argue that the animation in, the, in either one of these movies is not absolutely gorgeous. Well, I'm talking, and his fucking run. So he made Secret yeah, of yeah. M. Then he did all the artwork for Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, which I know those are video games, but I fucking love those games. 
Then he made an American Tale. That was a huge success. The Land Before Time. That was a huge success. All Dogs Go to Heaven. That was a huge success. And had Dom liking. Land Before Time was a personal favorite of mine as a kid. I didn't realize he had done that one. It's got some pretty dark shit in it, too, though, with like dinosaurs dying out. Yeah, I mean, then he then he had a couple couple bombs because Rockadoodle wasn't very good. I don't recall Thumbelina being very good. I feel like I was out of watching animation by then. Yeah. Then Anastasia was a big hit again. So wait, Anastasia wasn't a Disney thing? Well, Anastasia was Don Bluth directed. I don't know if that was Disney or not. (laughs) Then he fucking made Titan A.E. Have you guys ever seen Titan A.E.? I saw it like when it first got to home video and I haven't watched it since. I'm a, I am a huge supporter of that film. It is like adult animation is something that I feel like doesn't get enough respect. And that movie is fucking beautiful. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I definitely know its reputation. And it came out at a time when and adult animation was not respected. So it's kind of unfortunate for them. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it kind of bombed in the theaters and it was very expensive. Probably because they put Creed on the soundtrack and kept everybody away. Yeah. Don't don't remind me about that. (laughs) It's got Matt Damon as the main voice. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Drew Barrymore. Bill Pullman. I've got, I've got that motherfucker on Blu-ray. I love that movie. Oh, Doug, did you realize that Shannon Doherty and Will Wheaton were both in Secret and Then? How'd I miss that? <laughs> Who were they? They played Who's Shannon Doherty. I think she was the female, the daughter. Oh, okay. And Will Wheaton was the, the boy who wasn't sick. Like the little shitty one? Yeah. Kind of looked like a rat. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess they would have been pretty famous at that point, right? Uh, Will Wheaton would have been Doherty. I don't think was. Yeah, like well, although maybe not even Will Wheaton was. No, Wheaton wouldn't wouldn't have become known until Stand by Me, which is like four years after this, right? Yeah. And Shannon Doherty wasn't. wasn't she was nobody at this point. Right? Yeah, so they weren't interesting. Which apparently she's got brain cancer now. That's a giant bummer. Yeah. Yeah. The the trivia on Don Bluth's uh. IMDB woman says, although he never said it in public, supposedly his philosophy was that children could handle anything as long as you attach a happy ending. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't the producers who came up with that uh, amulet thing, then maybe it was him. It wasn't anybody forcing it on him? Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what's everybody watched? Uh, I, I I only watched one thing. I rewatched Anchorman, and it's still fucking funny. Movie's so much funnier than it has ever been. It's just the crazy thing is every I've rewatched it a few times, you know, over the years, and I always expect it not to be funny this time. I'm like, okay, you know, those jokes have been around forever, and it's all just kind of gotcha kind of humor. 
and it's not going to be funny this time. And then I rewatch it. And I'm like, God damn it. Will Ferrell's so fucking funny. Steve Carell's amazing at that, too. Jesus. Every second of it, when fucking Jack Black kicks that dog off the bridge, I just about piss my pants every time I see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just laughing out loud just from hearing you say it. Um, yeah, because it's just the way he does it. He's like, and now this is going to happen. <laughs> he just boots it. Yeah. I should rewatch Anchorman. Hey, guys, I woke up this morning and I shit out a squirrel. And the craziest thing is it's still alive. And now I've got this shit covered squirrel running around my office. And I don't know what to name it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, champ, chocolate squirrel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that's it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and talk about every fucking joke in that movie. It's fucking funny. <laughs> I still listen to. Have you guys ever listened to his podcast? No. Will, Will Ferrell's podcast, where he oh. just does Ron Burgundy. Oh, sounds good though. It's it's real fucking funny, and they're only like short little thirty minute podcasts, so it's really easy to digest. They're pretty great. I can't remember what the. Uh, I think her name's Georgia is his co-host and he's constantly talking shit to her. He's constantly like telling her that she went to college at random colleges that she didn't go to. And he's like, yeah, that's what somebody would say. They graduated from fucking Vassar. It's like, didn't go to Vassar. <laughs> Anyways, what'd you watch that? Um, well, the only movie I watched was for some, for some reason I've gotten this bad habit of like going to the two B like leaving soon section and panicking because I'm like, what if I don't ever get a chance to see these movies again? <laughs> and so this week, Poison Ivy was leaving soon. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, well, I haven't seen that movie since like the 90s. I better rewatch it. What if it's gone from Tubi and I can never track it down again? <laughs> um, and then I'm like, I, I have to admit, like part of me was like, is it possible that it's, it's as inappropriate as I remember it being? Like, it can't be right. And I mean, spoiler alert, it absolutely is um, like there's a scene in this movie where there's a woman who's dying and she has taken too much of her medication and passes out. And then an underage girl sits on the bed beside her and the woman's husband uh, performs oral sex on the underage girl. And I know this is going to be upsetting to hear for some of our listeners, but uh, I think that that is wildly inappropriate and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> So is it, is it more inappropriate that it's Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt? I mean, it's it's so much weirder that it's Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, not so much, right? Because she was at this stage in her career, she was like the hot girl, and she was doing these more dangerous type roles, trying to become more adult. Tom Skerritt is it's super weird to see him doing this thing, where it's like. He, he doesn't have a particularly interesting character or a challenging role. He's just like dad who's not very nice to his wife and doesn't get along with his daughter. And so he sleeps with the daughter's friend. And it's like, I don't, you were already famous. Why would, why would you be doing that? But it was 1992 and nobody seemed to think it was a bad idea to take that type of a role. Whereas I, it'd be harder, I think, to cast an A-list actor to do that in today's world. Um, like, I don't know. It's so weird that like in the early nineties, they would cast these like teenage girls as like the villains in these movies by 
tricking these older men <laughs> into doing things. And I'm like, oh, like, yeah, like she should probably be grounded for things she does with the husband, but he should probably go to jail because he kind of has more responsibility than her in these circumstances. And these movies kind of seem to ignore that, which is weird. Uh, more importantly, the movie's just not very good. It suffers from that 90s, like, I don't know, like they had a few ideas and they just stuck them all together. So you end up with like the Ivy character is um, convincing her friend's dog to like her better by giving it treats. And they have a whole scene where they're both calling the dog and she like the dog goes to the, the bad girl instead of the proper owner. And you're like, OK. And then like three minutes later, she murders the girl's mom. And you're like, I don't like it seems like a big jump. I don't know. Like that's that's not great storytelling to have those scenes so far apart. You want to kind of have those a build up to the murder, I think. But it's just it's strange too. They never really explain like what's her motivation, like what's her background, what causes her to behave this way, you know. Um, so, not great storytelling. Drew Barrymore actually puts in a pretty good performance. Everybody else is not very good. Nobody else really has anything to do. Except for, uh, what's her name? Sarah Gilbert, who's not very good. Um, nobody else really has a lot of acting to do in the movie. They just exist in Drew Barrymore's world. Um, but yeah, super weird to rewatch. And just like, I guess because the last time I watched it too, like, I don't know, I might have been younger than Drew Barrymore the last time I saw this movie, in <laughs> like her character in the movie. And then now I'm watching it as an adult going like, yeah, okay, she looks kind of good in the skirt, but still like, not allowed to do that like it's just it's so strange getting closer to that tom scared age and you're like oh no 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 yeah no. like like yeah it's i don't know it's it's so weird because they like ignore the fact in the movie they like it never gets brought up that hey she's underage and maybe you shouldn't do that it's like it's addressed that he's like cheating on his wife and that's wrong but never, never brought up the fact that this is a girl who's too young to like drive. <laughs> He's, you know, sleeping with her and stuff. And I'm just like, hey, it seems like somebody should bring that up. Somebody should mention that in the film. Like, at least make sure the audience knows that the producers are against this, but that they don't. So, you gonna follow it up with part two with Alyssa Milano? Listen, I wish people would stop trying to make me watch all of these movies. <laughs> I already had one of the listeners reach out to me and say, like, so now you're going to watch the whole series? And I'm like, no, don't. And then I tried and it turns out <laughs> I, I'd, I would have to pay to see parts two and three. And I'm not even sure if I could find four. So Jimmy, I gave up on that particular dream. Jamie Presley's in one of the last couple. That's three. Yeah, yeah three. So it goes, it goes Drew Barrymore, Alyssa Milano, Jimmy Presley, and then one of the girls from Degrassi is in part four. (laughs) I do, I do have some, you know, base knowledge of the series, even though I, I must have seen two. It seems almost impossible that in the nineties, like I think two was like probably around 96 and I can't imagine how I wouldn't have rented that. Um, But I don't remember it and I don't think I've seen the other two. I didn't even know there was a part four. Yeah, uh, it's like direct video. When I say Degrassi, it's Degrassi the next generation. So it's not even, it's not like it's, it, it's later, much later that it came out. 
I'm assuming they're all the exact same plot, but I don't know that for sure. <laughs> you don't know. You have to watch and find out. Just, just different people from Top Gun playing the dad in each movie. I guess I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's enough about Poison Ivy, right? Sure. I've, I've, I've watched a little bit of TV, though. I got caught up on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. So there's two new episodes out this season so far. I've watched them both. Are you watching this year, Brian? Uh, I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have Vice anymore. So I've seen that someone has put them up on YouTube. Yeah. So. I've never I've never watched it anywhere except YouTube. <laughs> it's, really Vice do. seems to not really care if their stuff gets put oh. up on YouTube. They don't, they don't take it down. So no, I haven't watched it. Okay, I my take on it is that they're running low on stories because um, they do like the first story they tell is uh, Chris Candido and Tammy Stitch. Um, is that is it Stitch? Stitch. Sunny. Stitch. So I, I just I keep calling her Sunny in my head. I can't yeah. remember her real name. Um, but I mean, the, it's the, the body tell- Donnas for all you old WWF watchers. Yeah. The problem is their story is not that interesting. Like, it's sad that these two, like, up-and-coming stars just got hooked on drugs and ruined their lives. But there's nothing terribly interesting about it. Like, talk I, about, talk was, about all the porn she did when she ran out of money? No, see, they don't even get into that. Really? Yeah. The most interesting part of the story is, like, that basically when he got into wrestling, he was, like, you know, he was the classic, like, trained you know started wrestling underage by lying about his age like all the stuff you hear a lot in the wrestling industry and then uh she was like his girlfriend and she was like gonna go to college and she wanted to be like a surgeon or something like a plastic surgeon and they like basically brought her in because she was like pretty and she could be his valet and it's like jim Cornette talks about like well if we if we brought them both in and like paid them both then that would be enough that they could actually move to like where we want, where we needed them to move. Like we couldn't justify having this guy move to like wherever, whatever, wherever Cornette was running at the time. They're like, we can't have you move down here and pay you 75 bucks a night. Like we just can't, like you, you won't make enough money to justify this living. But by bringing two of them in and paying both of them, then that does. And that's sort of how she got into the industry originally just kind of tagging along. And then she becomes the bigger star, which is interesting. But I mean, that's kind of the beginning of the story. It's not really that dark. It's more just interesting. I wonder, the if uh, I wonder if they're getting tame on these because they've had so much blowback over the past like, couple seasons or something. See, I don't know, because you would think like the blowback they've gotten, you'd think would be helping them, right? Like you think about the fallout from the plane ride from hell episode. There was no negative impacts and vice from that. That was the negative impacts were all felt by the people who were on the plane. You know, yeah, but there's been some people who have been like, "Well, I'm never going to appear on one of these again because they took my interview out of context, edited it weird, uh, contributed." Like I know Jim Ross said he's not doing them anymore because of all that. Yeah, but I mean, they've still got they got Jericho and Foley, and I mean, I obviously I don't know if they're being taken out of context. It's pretty hard to explain that away. But like, like yeah. it's weird to it's weird to hear Mick Foley talk about like uh, Candido and Sitch because he's got nothing negative to say about them. Like he's just he's like, like they were my friends. I always got along with them. Like, 
yeah, like at some point you start to see them go down this dark path and you're sad for them, but you know, what can you do? Like it happens. And whereas like, you know, I think a lot of other people want to throw her under the bus, specifically her, um, which, uh, I don't know. Like they, they could have, they could have found a lot more negative things to say about her if they wanted to, I think. So I don't know. Cause then the second story is they do, uh, Magnum TA, which is not a guy I'm familiar with. I only vaguely recognize the name. Oh. But like his story is pretty much up and coming wrestler, could have been a champ, yeah. got into yeah. a car accident and was injured and couldn't wrestle anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, again, like shit happens. Like it's it sucks if you're him. Like obviously I'd feel bad for him, but it didn't even seem like his life like spiraled downhill afterwards or whatever. He's like went on to some other career he's in the episode they interview him he's like older now and seems relatively healthy and he's like yeah i fucked up i was driving my car too fast got into an accident it's like all right how's that a show like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like, and they're like well he could have been champ he would have fought flair for the belt and they would have done this storyline it's like yeah they could have that didn't happen though so yeah i guess it's more just the sadness of unrealized dreams i guess yeah, but yeah. Like I said, like, I haven't I haven't watched these episodes, so maybe it's. Yeah. it's maybe, you're probably completely right. I don't know. I and maybe once you see him, you can let me know if if maybe I'm just a little jaded to some of this. Maybe it's just like because I've watched so much of this stuff, and I did just listen to the behind the bastards five part episode on. Well, it's they they say it's an episode on Vince McMahon, but it's really yeah about the wrestling industry in general. And it's pretty harsh. So when you hear all the stories they're telling and you're like, oh, right. I guess, uh, I guess just some guy getting in a car accident doesn't seem interesting enough to fill a 45 minute show. Yeah. I'll have to watch them this week. Cause I almost watched maybe one or one of them yesterday. I was like, yeah, I gotta watch, I gotta watch, uh, American tale. I should probably get that done. Yeah. Do some writing afterwards. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch these some other time. I definitely put off this week's mouse movies till the last minute. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. anything else noteworthy? Um, I have started, and I've just started, so I don't have too much to say about it. But the Harley Quinn show that was, uh, oh yeah, getting a lot of attention recently. It just showed up on Netflix here, so I'm like, all right, I'll give that a shot. And it's really good. Um, it's way better than it should be. Yeah, it it really feels like an extension of Batman the Animated Universe, as if they're like, what if we did this but R rated? Like, let's yeah, but it's like all know, of our, we know all the, the yeah. people who watched it as a kid are now grown up, so we can now yeah do more grown up humor, and it's okay. Yeah, it it it, they, it seems like they've really done a good job of grasping that, and Harley Quinn is of course the perfect character to run with that. You know, you wouldn't want. I don't think we want our Batman being R-rated. In the first few episodes, there's a lot of like really funny stuff with her trying to like go out on her own and become the uh, super villain. And like she wants to challenge Batman to a fight, but Batman just sends Robin instead, and she gets all upset and stuff like that, which I found very entertaining. So I don't know. Depending on how shiny the assorted objects are around my house, I may or may not watch the rest of that series. I have more to say about it. Yeah, I haven't watched the last season yet. Too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if all of it's on Netflix or. I think there's been three seasons so far. 
And they've greenlit a fourth one, so we'll see. Because that showed up on Netflix, and Batman the Animated Series showed up on Netflix, and I'm like, nice. I, I want to go watch that now. Uh, you should, because it's actually holds up a lot better than you think. Yeah, I started a few years ago. I acquired from online in a legal fashion the entire series, and I started rewatching it. Uh, but I dropped the hard drive that they were on and lost it. So I ended up uh, not not finishing it. And I'd like, I always thought it'd be a good idea to go back and watch the whole thing. So I actually did buy mine legally. Uh, someone was selling a voodoo code for it for 15 bucks for the entire series. And I was like, yep, it is a perfect price. So I will buy that because it was going for like 50 or something like in stores. Yeah, it was insane how much was charged. They were charging for it. And I shouldn't say it was insane because it was like five seasons or whatever, fifty bucks. But it was it was pretty expensive for what you were getting. Because I don't even I don't have quite as much nostalgia for it as other people do because it came out at a time when I really wasn't watching animation and didn't give it a fair chance at the time. I was like eleven when it came out, so it was like perfect, perfect, uh, perfect time for me to be watching it. Cause like, like, yeah, cause like Batman 89, I really got into like Batman and the darker versions of that character. And then by the time the animated series came out, I was just sort of past it. Other like those first two Batman movies, obviously I loved, but after that it kind of fell apart. Yeah. You going to watch flash this weekend just to see uh, Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Well, see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will eventually see it because I kind of need to know, but yeah. I don't I don't anticipate enjoying it. So <laughs> I anticipate like enjoying moments of it. Weirdly, people that I know that have seen an early screener one way or another through like CinemaCon or there's been a couple advanced screenings. Yeah, are nothing but positive on it. And I don't know how that's possible, but. I don't know. I still like, I feel like the movie industry, sometimes it really benefits from low expectations. And I find sometimes like with DC stuff lately, it's like, it can be like just shy of complete shit. And people are like, it's not complete shit. Did you see? It's not complete shit. Right. And uh, I, it frustrates me because I'm like, just, just cause other stuff sucks more. doesn't mean this doesn't suck. <laughs> But I'm and I'm maybe I haven't seen it, so maybe it is good. I don't know. But I, I like the idea that their version of Supergirl is going to be an extrapolation of the Superman from the Snyderverse is not interesting to me. I don't like what they're doing. I like I had hoped to see Michael Keaton back as Batman, and I don't like the way they're using him just based on the trailers. Um. I don't I I think that might be the saving grace of the movie. I I have developed a fan theory. We'll see if I end up being right or not. I I think Keaton Batman might be the actual villain of the movie. Some I doubt it. But which would actually be interesting cuz you would go into it being on his side automatically and that if he's the bad guy. Actually. Yeah, but this movie was supposed to come out and then he was going to be in Batgirl. Yeah. I don't know. 
I'm not I'm not saying like straight up evil. Yeah. But I'm but I'm saying maybe he's kind of the once again, if he's if if they're just doing straight analogs, then we expect him to be eighty three Batman and instead he's Batfleck Batman that or even hates Superman. Or even eighty nine Batman. Right. You know what I mean. <clears throat> yeah, I See, my bigger my my concerns are twofold. Number one, him deliver the way he delivers the lines from the previous like show, like the the let's get nuts and the I'm Batman. I don't like the little smirk, like he's letting the audience in on like that. I know what I'm doing, like almost breaking the fourth wall. I don't like that element of it. But more importantly, I just don't like that he's Batman. Like I wanted to see him. If they're going to bring someone Michael Keaton's age in and put him in the suit, I want him to be the old man, like what I what I think he was in Batgirl, which is training the next generation, you know, kind of the retired version of Batman. And, you know, you can have him do a little bit of action, but not have him be an active Batman because that doesn't make any sense. And it seems like they've gone the other way with it. So I don't know. Again, it, it might be great. I don't know, but doesn't feel like it to me two more days i'll let you guys know we'll see yeah and some of it could just come down to like thursday night like what else do i have going on i'm probably gonna i was gonna watch a hockey game but now i'm not going to be watching it because of the game that's going on right now so (laughs) i was gonna say i'm gonna end up going to see it i'm just not exactly sure if i'm willing to go uh support it opening weekend and give that much more reason for fucking Ezra Miller to keep working. Uh, you're putting too much thought into that. The movie's going to make a billion dollars whether you go see it or not. Yeah, I know. But I get but, it. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be part of it, right? Yeah, I know. I have weird uh, lines that I draw for myself, too. Uh, all right. Well, I didn't watch Jack shit, so end of segment. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we didn't. We should all, like, vow to watch more movies by next week. Right. So we have something to talk about. I don't even know what the fuck I did this week. I'm trying to even think, like, I, mean, I guess I watched stuff. I watched the Superman and Lois episode. I watched uh, wrestling. I say, did you go on a hot date? Well, yeah, but like nothing interesting. We went downtown and just listened to some cover band. Didn't I see on social media that you went to a rhubarb festival? Uh, yeah, but didn't I? Not no, that I... we needed. Detailed discussion of the rhubarb. No, I did that, but I did that like two weeks ago. Oh, so okay. we've recorded since then. That's it. No. I haven't done jack shit. I've been writing and I've been uh, not watching stuff, apparently, or just watching stuff that's not worth talking about. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Todd, what are we watching next week? What are we watching next week? That is an excellent question, Brandon. I'm glad you asked. I definitely have an answer for you. Um, next week is going to be Killer Bugs, Squirm, and the Nest. Oh. Ew. I think I've seen the Nest. I've never seen Squirm, though. Just... I've not seen either one of them, so. Should be a nice, fun, creepy, crawly week. Yeah. 
Now, have we checked? Are these available anyway? These are both on Tubi. Oh, nice. So, should we get? Swarm is one I think I've heard a lot of good things about, and the nest is one that I don't know anything about, but it's like a town being invaded by killer cockroaches. So, I don't see how that cannot be good. This is the 1988 nest? Yes. Okay. Because there's also a 2021 one. No, 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 no. I guarantee you that that's no good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a not recommend, and I have no idea what it even is. Uh, as the mother becomes suspicious that her daughter may be infected by a parasitic creature, she is thrust into a nightmare as the people she trusts most push her into a chasm of drug addiction, self-destruction, and devastating sacrifice. That doesn't sound like a cockroach movie at all. No, it doesn't sound like there's a single cockroach in the whole movie. Why would we bother? <laughs> um, that sounds more interesting than I expected it to. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I might end up having a review of that at some point, but. Interesting. All right. They are both on Tubi. So if anybody wants yep. to watch along, you can. Yep. It'd be a nice shift back to nice uh, shift back towards what we're supposed to cover on this podcast <laughs> or <laughs> demented children's movies like we did this week. Yeah, we did monkeys last week. Come on. Yeah. I, I, I apologize. I will endeavor to put more canon movies on the list. That's that's not a hollow promise. At some more. point, we're probably yeah. going to run out of canon movies the way we're going through them, but <laughs> pump them out pretty quick. We'll add a couple more traumas on there too. Uh, you're okay with the canon? We should probably delve into that early stuff of the list that's still been sitting there since, like, we started the podcast. Eh. Who needs to watch the Saved by the Bell made for TV movie (laughs) (laughs) Lifetime? That seemed like such a good idea when we put them on the list, and now I just can't even remotely imagine that we would watch those. It's because you put, I think you put them on there just to spite me. But then realized that you couldn't follow through. (laughs) (laughs) You realized that in order to upset you, I'd have to actually sit through those movies. (laughs) I think there's more of them out now, too. So we can do like a month of shitty lifestyle movies about fucking (laughs) TV shows from the 80s. Yeah, they did one on Full House. I know that. I'm sure that's great. Are you sure? I I was being facetious. I'm relatively confident that it's not a good film. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.